Welcome to the University of Michigan Dentistry Podcast Series, promoting oral health care worldwide. Before you proceed further into this dissection on the masticator and lateral pharyngeal spaces, you once again should review the anatomy of the masticator space, that is the area of the ramus of the mandible, the structures lateral to it, the masseter and the temporalis muscles, as well as these deep structures of the lateral pterygoid and of the medial pterygoid as well. As you're doing this, Make sure that you also study the and review the blood vessels associated with as the branches of the maxillary artery. And then as, again, we look deep within, study those structures found beneath the lateral pterygoid muscle, the branches of the mandibular division of five going to the mandible, as well as all other branches in the area. Associated with this, we then should study, once again, uh, the details of the carotid sheath high up in the retrostyloid area. And for that, we will need another specimen. Again, on this specimen, we have reflected the mandible and can see here uh, the maxillary artery coming off of the external carotid artery. Other branches, the facial can be seen here as well as down below, branches going to the thyroid gland. But we are interested in this area and through here, deep to these styloid muscles. And in this posterior area, this is called the retrostyloid space. It is the direct upward continuation of the carotid sheath. But because these structures are behind these styloid muscles, this space then, the continuation of the carotid sheath, is the retrostyloid space. And in it, we will find the internal carotid artery the jugular vein will accompany it as well, but already I have reflected the jugular vein for clarity. We have passing downward as the other major structure in this area that we've looked at already, the hypoglossal nerve. And coming from the hypoglossal nerve is a branch that has been cut off, but this is the branch, the superior ramus of the ansa cervicalis. And remember the superior ramus of the ansa cervicalis arose from levels C1 and C2. And the only reason that it is associated with the hypoglossal nerve is that these nerve fibers from C1 and C2 are hitching a ride along the hypoglossal nerve before they peel off to go to form the ansa cervicalis along with the inferior branch of that ANSA. Also then behind in the 
area typical of the carotid sheath, but up here as well in the retrostyloid space is the vagus nerve. So internal carotid artery, the internal jugular vein, the vagus nerve, the hypoglossal nerve, and one other major structure that can be seen here passing from behind this out of the retrostyloid space and swinging into to pass through this the sternocleidomastoid muscle is the accessory nerve. Deep within you can see along the muscles of the side of the uh, neck is the sympathetic chain. However, this chain is in no way related to uh, the structures or the contents of either the carotid sheath or the retrostyloid space because the, this, the chain is found deep to, posterior to the prevertebral fascia. But well shown in this illustration is the superior cervical ganglion, which is a synapse point for all autonomic sympathetic fibers that came up from the upper thoracic levels, synapsing here, and then to spread out to all facial and head structures via plexuses that ride along the artery. Perivascular plexuses with the fibers of origin in the synapses of the superior cervical ganglion. We do have one other nerve that is the smallest of the nerves of the area running in the carotid sheath and up only in the retrostyloid space and that is this small nerve, the glossopharyngeal, the ninth cranial nerve that follows along the posterior border of this muscle the stylopharyngeus. This is the glossopharyngeal nerve, and it is a mate to that of uh, the lingual nerve. The lingual nerve, remember, supplies the anterior two-thirds of the tongue. The glossopharyngeal supplies the posterior one-third of the tongue, both sensory as well as taste fibers. After this has been studied, then should you first go deeper within to look at some of the other more deeper anatomy, and for that, we need another specimen. It becomes very difficult to orient yourself, even on your own specimen, after we start removing so many of the structures. Down here is the remnant of the mandible. Corner of the mouth is here with the nose pointed towards the left. This is the mandible almost entirely cleaned off of, with musculature. The ramus has been removed in this area. The zygomatic arch across here has been removed. The pterygoid muscles have all been removed. And now we are looking down into the lateral pharyngeal space. Now, if we go any further, we will be right into the pharyngeal cavity. So this is the, the last of the depths that we will be approaching from this lateral side. Some of our landmark muscles are still shown. 
Here we have the posterior digastric muscle and closely associated with it is the stylohyoid muscle. Into the tongue is the styloglossus muscle with the tongue muscle mass being down in through here. And posteriorly is the stylopharyngeus muscle. Now the muscle of the cheek, as we mentioned before, is buccinator. And buccinator muscle has been extensively cleaned off in this region so that lo we're looking directly downward onto the superior constrictor muscle as well. And the superior constrictor muscle fibers pass forward and attach into this pterygomandibular raphe from which immediately buccinator muscles will attach. Superior constrictor muscle has four subdivisions, four named subdivisions depending on where they attach. This, the largest portion of the superior constrictor, attaches with the buccinator muscle, and so this is called the buccal pharyngeal portion of the superior constrictor. Some fibers, very light ones, pass down into the tongue. This is the glossopharyngeal portion. And other fibers, not well shown here because the bone has been removed, will be passing forward to attach to the very back of the mylohyoid line, and these are the mylopharyngeal fibers. In this area, where we will be dissecting now, are two additional muscles. They are oblique muscles that pass downward and forward to go to the soft palate. This muscle that you first see here is the tensor Vili palatini. Soft palate is the vellum of the pharynx, and so that's named the tensor Vili palatini. You don't see much of the other muscle, the levator Vili palatini, because it's almost entirely covered by the tensor, except we see deep within some of its posterior fibers. Deep down in there, then, are the posterior fibers of the levator, Vili palatini. And the third structure, then, that we see in this area is a cartilaginous tube running forward to the posterior aspect of the nasal cavity. This is the auditory tube passing from the middle ear cavity, posterior and deep within, forward into the nasal cavity. It's well worth looking at another specimen. And again, in this area that we've been talking about, we can see the tensor Vili palatini muscle and a large muscle behind and deep to it, the levator Vili palatini. These will actually perforate the upper border of this, the superior constrictor muscle, in order to get into the palatal region. Also, a blood vessel should be noted that is passing upward directly on the lateral surface of this superior constrictor muscle, and when it gets to the upper border, it will pass over it 
and dive into the upper part of the tonsillar area to supply the tonsil as well as the adjacent pharyngeal region. This is the ascending palatine artery and the vein should be found along with it. Following your examination of the tensor veli palatini, the levator veli palatini, as well as the tube, and the tube can be best found, the auditory tube, by cutting the tensor and reflecting it downward, you will notice that the superior constrictor muscle ends at approximately this line, which is still about an inch or a half inch short of the base of the skull. And the fascia on the outer coat, outer surface of this superior constrictor, and that found on the inner aspect of the superior constrictor, will join together underneath this levator, and you can see this white sheet now, at least in part. This is the pharyngeal basilar fascia. And that is the upward continuation of the superior constrictor to the base of the skull, the pharyngeal basilar fascia. Continue your dissection work then in this area, making sure that you do a re significant review of the area, as well as uh, continuing on with the dissection as indicated in the dissection guide. You've been listening to a presentation from the University of Michigan School of Dentistry, which is dedicated to supporting open learning and open educational resources. This recording is licensed under the Creative Commons. It may be reused and redistributed for nonprofit use. Please attribute materials to the University of Michigan School of Dentistry and redistribute under this same license. For more information on how this and other University of Michigan School of Dentistry recordings may be used, visit www.dent.umich.edu/license.